have you seen me dice bag? <laughs> the Grognard Files. Hello, my name is Dirk the Dice, and this is the Grognard Files podcast, talking bobbins about tabletop RPGs from back in the day and today. This is the second part of episode 27, which was all about Robin of Sherwood and its influence on gaming in the UK. This part looks at how we can recreate Robin of Sherwood experience at our tabletop using Fate. Don't see it as an extra bit of the previous podcast. See it as a, another manifestation of the same thing that you can't quite get your head round because you like the earlier version so much. It's the heir to the son of Hearn. It's been great hearing how the programme fitted into your gaming history and listeners enjoyed the new Grogglebox feature with some great suggestions for future episodes. Look out for Blake 7 coming soon. We've also had a new iTunes review. It's always very encouraging to get a new review and it helps Tim Apple send his MyTheBots in our direction. This one is from Jackson Elias. I've heard of him somewhere. I was born in the UK in the 1970s and this podcast is as welcoming and resplendent to those old days as a can of Quattro and a Jacob's Club biscuit. Admittedly, having Boltonian parents does make me more partial to Dirt the Dice Dorset Lancastrian tones. But in any case, he's an eloquent and likeable host whose soothing voice serves as a gentle and avuncular guide to our own ruined past. Most old-school gaming media, whether it's a blog or podcast, seem to deal mainly with the nuts and bolts of gaming systems, miniatures, the advertising in White Dwarf, etc., which you know is fine, but there's a wider picture, surely. So where this podcast really shines for me is the further context it sets out. The most recent offering at the time of writing looks at the influence of the UK's Robin of Sherwood television show on RPG culture. There should be much more discussion of gaming as both a reflection of and an influence on culture of its time. I feel it matters to me that I painted my first Perry Twins troll whilst listening to Nick Kershaw, or that Scargill was bellowing into a megaphone on the 6 o'clock news. The idea of couching stories and the RPG experience within the context of what we heard on the radio or saw on our four channels of telly is a great one and I hope it will be exploited further. Dirk and co have done a cracking job and I savour these wallows in full-on nostalgia. Those truly were the days, my friends. Thanks for that. When I started defrosting after my RPG deep freeze, I listened to podcasts. And around that time, there was a lot of talk about Fudge, and Fate in particular, as it had just come off the back of a popular Kickstarter. One of my favourites at the time was Dice of Doom, an Australian podcast, and the hosts had decided to take a break from D&D by playing a different game every month. One of the games they discovered was Spirit of the Century, a pulp fiction setting for Fudge, the basis of fate. It sounded like the kind of games that I like to run, with high adventure and incident. Also, I listened to RPG Gamer Dad, inspiring the family through RPG gaming. 
He was using Fate in the Atomic Robo setting based on the comic strips. Also around the same time, perhaps a bit later, was Steel City, an actual play podcast by our very own Jay Draper using the Dresden Files variant of Fate in the mean streets of Sheffield. Also, Fate seemed to be the go-to system for adapting familiar settings. I used it for a Jerry Cornelius one-shot that appeared in the first Grogzine. Whenever I mention Fate on the grognardfiles.com blog or on Twitter at the Grognard File, I always get the same response. I can't get my grognardy brain around it. And the game system has its enthusiastic supporters who see it as a revolutionary system. So I was determined to examine it a little bit more closely and provide this episode as a public service to grognards everywhere as it provides an examination, an explanation of some of those key concepts with resident rules lawyer Judge Blythe. And it also features Robin of Sherwood actual play that Blythe did online with some of the members of the Grog Squad. Pay attention as I'll be asking questions at the end and letting you know more about our forthcoming fanzine festival. Until then, ramblers, let's get rambling. Grognard's Guide! Welcome to the room of role-playing rambling. I'm with Blythe. Hello, Blythe. Hello, Dirk. Now, we're not really going to sit in judgment now because you're going to take on your uh, pedagogical... Is that that's not the right word? Pedagogical. Pedagogical. feet. <laughs> oh, no. You're going to be a teacher. Put our knowledge of fate upon the grognard world. Be a quick podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got our biohazard suits on and some scalpels because we're going to go in deep into <laughs> fate. Dissect it. Dissect it, chop it up and uh, really try to understand how mm. these rules work. Because many times I hear people say to me, I've tried fate, I don't really get it. Yeah, I- I've heard that a lot. It makes me feel rather nervous about trying to educate people because yeah. I, I don't feel equipped because no one people don't understand it I, maybe I'm doing it wrong but I don't think it's that complicated no I don't I, I think I think the the problem with fate one of the one of the problems is that the rule book the fate core rule book is um, makes heavy weather of a lot of things that are actually very familiar to yeah. a lot of RPGs yeah um, it is it is like um, a kind of theoretical uh, dissection of role-playing itself, isn't it? It yeah. makes it very, very difficult to, to understand, I think, in players. I think, I think part of the problem is it, it, it's like a self-help book, isn't it? it? It seems to want to improve your life through it's role-playing. Like, yeah, it's like a self-help book or some weird philosophical tract, you know, Hegel's yeah. Phenomenology of Spirit, but in uh, RPG form, you know, it, and bamboozling. See, it's the theoretical bit, but it's also the tone of like relentless enthusiasm. You know, you know when um, which is something we, we disapprove of. Exactly. You know when when that enthusiastic person bounds into the yeah, room. Yeah, you want to get lost. Yeah, you want to recoil and say, "Get a grip." Yeah, know. I'm not listening to you. <laughs> I've lived long enough to know all it's unfounded such enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what the fake uh, robots. It does like, a bit. Isn't it? Yeah, it does. And I think it suffers from, uh, and we'll probably talk about this later, but. I think it suffers from being, because it's a generic system, it feels rather rather difficult to get your head round because although it does give examples in the rule book, um, it, it feels like it's hanging in the middle of nothing, really. Um, 
I think once you attach it to a setting, it's, um, it comes to life a bit more. So I recently got the Acton Cthulhu Fate core rules. And when you read that, the game comes alive and makes actually makes more sense as a game than it does in the Fate core rules because you've got a setting with which to hang the rules on. And so things like we're going to talk about aspects and some of the stunts and the skills make sense in that setting. Because yeah. whereas I think in the Fate core rules, and to some extent Fate Accelerated, which is a sort of stripped down version of Fate core, it's guilty of not quite connecting with your gamer brain because it's it's an abstraction, if that makes sense. Yes. You're not you're not in a world where you can go, all oh, right, I see how that would work and that kind of thing. So we've both games mastered it. Yeah. We've both played it. Yeah. And we've used different settings of our own creation. Uh, I did a Jerry Cornelius setting, mm-hmm. which was probably more akin to the new Avengers than um, Moorcock's novels, yes, it has to yes, be said. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you, of course, you've done Robin of Sherwood. And yes. we're going to listen to some uh, actual players who go on. But let's start with characters. Mm-hmm. Because with um, Fate, the whole idea is that you generate characters together, isn't it? That's a key concept. Yeah, that that's part of it. Yeah, the idea that the character... I mean, character creation sometimes is part of a game anyway for any game but it, it's encouraged in uh, fate that you sit around and generate the characters as a group so you play off bounce off each other bounce ideas off each other and connections between characters and things like that and create a kind of backstory um, for your characters together and, and, and in some ways um, although there's some similarities with uh, hero quest it's a bit more fun doing uh, fate characters well it's a bit more I think it's a bit more structured yeah, I think if, if I think with Hero Quest sometimes, because let, let's face it, in uh, in Fate and in Hero Quest, words come into it, don't they? Yeah. You've got to come up with sentences to describe your characters, which sometimes is unfamiliar for you know, us grognards. Because what we're used to doing is rolling dice and going, "All oh, right, charisma eight. He's not very he's not very personable, and the numbers create the character for you. Whereas in in fate, rather like hero quest, you come up with descriptions yourself, which can be a little bit sort of discombobulate you a little bit, can't it? At times, I think. Yeah. But, okay. but in but in fate, it's more. It is more structured, I think. Yeah. And you could use uh, dice to give you prompts. That's what I quite like about yes, it. When we go into it, yeah. you know, If you wanted to say, "Oh, I wonder how strong this character is," I'll roll three d six. Yeah. Or fifteen, so he's quite strong. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll describe him. I'll as describe him as that. Yeah, you can do. Yes. Yeah. yeah, you could do. Yeah. Um, to me, that gives you a few prompts yeah. as a grognard. So what we're going to try and do is to begin with looking at the Robin of Loxley, Robin Hood, the Hooded Man, the Hooded Man, Dum Dum, Dum Dum. Right. And we're going to look at this character sheet that you uh, created. Yeah, the, on the character sheet, there's there's okay. four there's four areas, isn't there? Yes. That, that are uh, encapsulate fate. Um, there's there's aspects. There's approaches. Sometimes skills in core in fate core it's skills, but skills are approaches. Then there's stunts, and then there's stress. And those are the four aspects of the character sheet, which in, in a sense sum up the game, I think. If you understand those four things, you'll understand the game. Yeah, because there's not an awful but lot. Apart from that, not the, much else to it. It describes everything, doesn't it? 
So let's, as I say, let's start with something that's familiar. So approaches yes. or skills in core. Because yeah. if you've played a role-playing game, yeah. I think you'll get your Absolutely. If you look at the character sheet, the, the, first, the thing that will grab you, if you into traditional, say traditional, but you're familiar RPG territory. The approaches or skills bit is the bit that will make immediate sense and catch yeah. your eyes being familiar. So in Fate Accelerated, you've got approaches, which is how you do things. So in this example, you've got clever, you've got forceful, you've got quick, you've got sneaky, which are a bit like attributes in a traditional role-playing yeah. game, but are actually approaches about how you would do something. Um, and they all have pluses against them. So Robin, Robin Loxley here, we've given him uh, clever plus two, careful plus two, forceful plus zero, quick plus one, sneaky plus one, and flashy plus three. And the way that works is you roll four fake dice, yeah. which are d6s with two pluses, two minuses, and two blanks on each one. You roll them, and that gives you a number from maximum plus four to maximum minus the way to see it really is on a scale isn't yeah. it yeah. it's on a scale and, yeah. and they talk about a ladder I mean you don't they need do, to yeah. worry too much about that yeah. but it's a scale isn't it as you say from minus four to yeah. plus four so you're and, the, and the average is the average is zero. about is, is, I think it's minus one zero plus one so that's yeah. around the average yeah. so you roll those dice and then in Fate Accelerated you add your approach to it so if you're doing something sneakily so Robin Sherwood sneaking around, sneaky, plus one, you roll the dice and you, you've got sneaky plus one, so you add one to it. And what you will have is either a target number, say two or three or one or even zero. Depending on the circumstances. Depending on the circumstances. Which is very, very familiar stuff for most role players. Yeah. And what you've got to do is beat that target number. Sometimes you'll have an opponent who will, you know... Yeah, so in a fight... In a fight, you, you could roll the four fake dice, you add your appropriate approach, your opponent rolls fake dice, adds their approach to defend, and the difference if you're successful the yeah. difference in the roll is the damage you do. Yeah, Sim Simple as that really, just like a straightforward opposed roll. In fake core it's exactly the same, the only difference is that rather than approaches you have skills, and that's even more familiar actually, because you have a fight skill, a shoot skill, a you know, uh, investigate scale, those, those kind of things. It's the same kind of idea. You'll have pluses against each one. And yeah. the better the plus, the better you are at it. And you roll the dice and you add your plus and beat the number to do it or beat the opposed roll to do it. Yeah. And it, it's simple as that. That, yeah. that is, is very familiar territory. We'll keep we'll keep that simple because that is all there is to it. There's a, yeah, we'll, we'll mention so boosts later. So yeah, familiar people are people are familiar to fate. Yeah, hold your horses. Yeah. Don't write in just yet because we'll come on to boosts <laughs> later. <laughs> yes, but that is really the core. Yeah, mechanic. Isn't it? It's the core mechanic, and every, everything everything else on the character sheet impacts on those roles one way or another at certain points in the game. So that's like stunts. That's the, the stunts. stunts are the most are the simplest simplest thing. So stunts are things that you can do once per game or you've got you end start with the game with three fate points. Sometimes you have to pay a fate point to power a stunt. And all stunts do is give you usually give you pluses on your dice roll in certain contexts. 
or they allow you to do something without rolling in certain contexts. Yeah. And that's all they are, really. Just yeah. like, they're just like special abilities, really. Yeah. Uh, or in other games, like uh, Savage Worlds might refer to them as edges. They function yeah. similar to that, don't they? Um, as you say, the good ones are the one-use ones, aren't they? The ones, yeah. you know, they... Once per session, you can do that. Yeah. So, Robin, Robin, Robin and Loxley, he's got the stunts he's been given. He's got Master Archer, because he's an archer, he's a great... You've got to give him something like that. So, basically, when he's using careful, careful approach to attack with a longbow, he gets plus two to the roll. And that, that means, careful means, if he's got chance to aim, you know, so in the heat of battle, he can't use that. But if he's an aimed shot, he gets a plus two. Um, and he's got legendary accuracy. So once per session, he can hit a specific target without having to roll once yeah. per session. So he could hit the uh, Templar between the slot in his helmet if he, he wanted to. But, the, but I think going back to that episode of Robin Sherwood, he's already used that ability to hit the rope on that bag. Hasn't he? <laughs> He's used he's it. That, it. That explains it, Eddie. That's why he doesn't, he doesn't hit the Templars. He's used his stunt foolishly to hit a show-off and hit a rope on a bag. Yeah. But there you go. Just his chance. Yeah. And, he, and his other stunt, he's got three stunts. He's got uh, hard to capture. So when he's using Sneaky to escape captivity, he gets a plus two on the roll. So stunts are just a dead simple things that just, in certain situations, or by paying a fake point, you get a bit of a bonus or you can achieve something without roll. It's just pretty much as simple as that. And really... With those, and um, we'll come on to uh, stress a bit later, mm. really, approaches and stunts are all you need to play, aren't they? Pretty much, yeah. Aspects we'll talk about in a minute, but aspects don't come into play quite as much as you might think. No, really. because that is the uh, USP that everybody talks about, yeah. aspects. Yeah, yeah. Talk about aspects, but... It only comes in because it's it's restricted by the economy of your... The economy of the vet points. Vet yeah. points, yeah. yeah. So it only comes in yeah. um, in, in, in vital times, doesn't it? So the, the good thing about aspects is um, they it, part of a character, but they can be part of a scene. And as yeah. players and games masters, it's how you use aspects at a key point yes. that makes it interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So, so on, a, on a character sheet... The, 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 see, this is where I think we'll come on to this in a minute, but I think this is where fate gets a little bit uh, too clever for its own good. But in terms of the character, you pick aspects are really just descriptions of your character. So, what you do is you pick a high concept, right? Which yeah. is a broad concept that explains what your character is. So, for Robin and Loxley, we've got steals from the rich and gives to the poor, which is a basic motivation for Robin Hood, traditional description of him yeah and then what you do as well you pick another three aspects about your character which can be anything it can be a physical attribute a personality trait a relationship with someone else so for Robin Loxley we've got he's Hearn's son the son of her son of her he's in love with Marion very much so absolutely who wouldn't be and he's a legendary archer so those are the three aspects and you also pick what's called a trouble, which is a problem for your character. And in Robin Sherwood's, we've got, he's a wolf's head. So he's a wanted man. He's wanted. He's wanted, but that's, that's his problem. Isn't so, it? so whenever... The price the, on his head. Whenever I'm in Nottingham Village, you know, I'm a target exactly. because everybody exactly. wants me. Yeah. And the way that aspects work, and maybe this is, this is what kind of foxes people a little bit, 
but the way that they work is that during the run of play, you've got fake points, you start with three fake points, and at any given point that you feel it's appropriate, you can bring an aspect to bear on a situation. So for example, you could say, maybe Marion, let's suppose Marion is cornered by a couple of Norman soldiers. Oh no. I hope it's not too distressing for you. <laughs> and you're robbing a Loxley and you fire with your bow to try and take one of them out, but you miss. Mm. You could say, well, I'm going to spend a fair point. He's in love with Marion, he's in love with this woman, he's not going to miss. And that allows you to either add two to the roll yeah. or re-roll. Yeah. And that's as simple as it is. That's, it's as simple as that. And it and it's done after the roll, isn't it? It's done so, after the roll, so you so can decide. So adding, adding two. Sometimes, maybe, yeah. Sometimes maybe. adding two is better. But if you really bum roll, you might think I'll roll it again. It's a duff roll. Yeah. But that's all aspects are. They just they're just character traits, you know. So again, he's a legendary archer. So if he misses again with his boy, you could say that he's a legendary archer. Hearn's son. Yeah. Maybe he's got some mystical knowledge that. Hearn's imparted to him. Maybe you need to make a, a role as to whether you know something. You could say, well, maybe Hearn's mentioned this to him in the past. Yeah. That kind of thing. It's as simple as that, really. And the other thing with the aspects is you've got this thing called a trouble. And a trouble is something that traditionally the games master can play against you. So for every scene, the, the games master has fake points. And what he can do is use those fake points to create problems for you. And do a thing, one, one particular unusual thing about fate is he can do what's called a compel. So he can use the trouble and your other aspects, actually, against you. Yeah. So, for example, if, say, Much was being attacked by Normans and Marion was being attacked by Normans, the GM could say, I'm going to compel you to save Marion instead of much. And what would be the problem with that? There wouldn't be a problem with that. It's a bad example. Because <laughs> no one would need to do that. But, you know. Let much go. Let him go. Let him go. But, but the, the compel is where you're given a fake point. If you accept it, you, you get to keep the fake point. Or you can buy it off by using a fake point. So you yeah. can acquire fake points by letting the games master use aspects to create problems for you. Yeah. And I think the thing to note is all we're saying with this, the simple thing is, is that it's always plus two. Or a re-roll. As a mechanical, that's exactly it. Although people talk about being a story game and the narrative, yeah, you are. It's got a narrative element to it because you can play around with the narrative because of the aspects. It's, but, describe, but, it's describing things in words rather than using numbers. Yes, but ultimately, it comes down to a mechanical plus two or a re-roll. Yeah. It's not that difficult. And I think it's fair to say, because you only get three fake points, you don't you, you use them sparingly, don't you? Mm. You use the, the, they use the aspects relatively. So, so although they may be a little bit of an unusual concept for people, they're not, the, they're not the main part of the game, are they? No. And you find as well, and certainly we found during the uh, play, and I think it was the same when we did the Jerry Cornelius thing, yeah. is rather than take uh, a consequence from um, uh, a trouble, you buy it off with a fair point. So you tended to yeah. uh, stop that. Stop them anywhere. Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing with aspects, there are, there are the, the, the rule book talks about, and I think this is where it, it 
slightly annoys me a bit because I think it's making heavy weather of a very familiar concept. It talks about creating aspects or finding aspects in a scene. And all that means is the stuff in the scene. So if it's a, a dark corridor, things like a corridor and darkness are just aspect. They're just stuff in a scene. That's all they are. Yeah. But it, the rules do talk about it in this weirdly abstracted way that you think is just confusing to everybody. So, so if you wanted to use the darkness, you'd say, I want to use the darkness in, the, in this exactly. corridor and, and that's, to plus two. Here's a fair point. Well, and also, it's like trying to, you can do a thing called create advantage, mm. which again sounds very complicated, but all it is is... Uh, you know, I'm going to roll to create an advantage about the darkness. So you can hide, say you're hiding in sh shadows, traditional D&D &D style thing. You create an advantage by rolling to do that. And again, that gives you plus two maybe if you're going to attack someone from the shadows. That's all aspects and advantage is. Yeah. But it does, I think the rules talk about them in such a sort of abstracted and odd way. That as a gamer, you think, well, what, I'm not quite sure what they're talking about here. Yeah. But all they're talking about is, you know, you walk into a room, it looks like this. So the things in the room and the conditions, yeah. those are the aspects. That's and, all it is. And you find that enthusiastic fake players really want to build up the yeah. advantage of a scene, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And you can do, you can do things like, like you say, you can pay a fate point to sort of think it's they can't declare like a story detail so you can yeah. use a fate point to put something into a scene you know as a player but again it, it's it's a relatively rare occurrence isn't it it's because you've not you've not got that many fate points you've not got that many fate points and it you know you can come up with something all you're going to get is plus two or a re-roll yeah yeah so it's because not, even even though the games master's got fate points he can't he, he can't really spend them all on compels and to, to the players because you've got to use some of those fake points to power the stunts and aspects of the bad guys because they have aspects and stunts as well. Well, before we go on to um, some bits that are a little bit more tricky, so mm. we're going to talk about boosts and stress. Yes. Let's listen to some of the actual play. So um, let's go and uh, see Robin and these merry men. six characters but Marion I, I mean unless someone wants to play Marion don't worry you don't have to pick Marion she, she can much much of Marion it was going to be NPCs so I'm going to pick the Scarlet I'm a proper East End accent as well good stuff good East stuff flag. this finest moment uh, I guess that's me and uh, I, I will go with the outsider so I will pick uh, Nasir Nasir right okay to me next alright well I'll pick uh, Little John Little John? Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, we're not going to stick Dirk with Robin Hood, though. <laughs> Dirk and then, yeah. <laughs> I think Dirk should play Tuck, Robin. Let's Tuck and Robin. Yeah, so I'll, I'll be uh, Friar Tuck then. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. So, Dirk is uh, Robin. 
Or Marion. Or, or Marion. I mean, that's another option. Yeah. Don't let him, don't let him near Marion. <laughs> I, I hate to think, think about Marion. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be uh, Robin. I'll put the Timothy on and... Uh, <laughs> I, it, just, just imagine that I'm looking wistfully. That's what Robin does, isn't it? Just look wistful. Wistful. Glossy. Yeah. You've each got... Uh, Three fake points, which on couch sheet you should see. You've got various aspects that you can bring into play by using the fake point. For each scene, I get one fake point per player, so I've got five per scene, and I can use those to trigger aspects in NPCs and the bad guys and that kind of thing, so it gives gives them a chance to re-roll and do things like that. So, like I said, this episode is uh, tea, tea time on a Saturday night. Uh, this episode is set towards the very end of series, now called Seasons, aren't they? Series 2. King Richard is away on the Crusades. His brother, Prince John, ruling Saxon England with, a, with an iron fist. We pick up the action in Sherwood Forest. You've heard rumours that uh, the sheriff is having a large cargo of uh, treasure brought from, uh, from Lincoln. It's always from Lincoln, through Sherwood Forest, through the edge of Sherwood Forest. You're being Robin and his men, you're going to uh, steal his treasure, give it to the poor. So you wait in, in the forest, and there's a pathway leading through it, and you can see in the distance a wagon. It's like a sealed box-type wagon. Uh, there's a couple of drivers on it. There's four guards on the corners of this wagon, and then there's four foot guards, and there's also, looks like a captain uh, on horseback. And you can see these in the distance. So what are the tactics that we're going to use? Are we going to use the old rope trick? to get the guy off the horse at the front. <laughs> we'll have the balls ready as well. Yeah. How many of the, uh, the the guards is there total? I made about nine Five. there. Is that right? There's, Five. There's not, there's, well, there's nine. There's, there's oh, four, four guards, one on each corner of the wagon. There's a couple, oh. of, couple of guys driving the wagon who, who look like civilians. They don't look like guards. And then there's four foot guards and there's a captain on horseback. So there's, uh, there's nine in total. The, 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 one, the ones on the corners are armed with crossbows, the others stand with swords. Why don't we chop a tree down across the path and then yeah. prepare one behind it when they go past it so it kind of falls just as they've gone past and then they're trapped and then we'll just pepper them with arrows like they do. And I can hide nearby. I'm good at hiding. I, I have the almost invisible ability to uh, hide once per session without having to roll. And uh, I'm very good at death from shadows, so... I'll, I'll be happy to hide where I know that they will be stopped. Well, I've got forceful, so I could push over a ready, for, yeah, a ready you can, tall tree, you know. Yeah, you can do. You can make a roll to do that. Yeah, yeah. All right. So that's when they've when they've kind of stopped. You're going to hem them in. Little John and Tuck uh, are dropping this tree. Yeah. We may actually want to have stashes of arrows in, at areas where we can fall back. Uh, maybe. I mean, in terms of fate mechanics, you know, set up a some sort of uh, advantage that we know he can fall back to different areas. Okay, so and the, the rest of you uh, are hiding with a view to what? Springing out and getting them to stop and surrender. Is that the, that the idea? Yeah. yeah. This uh, wagon starts to approach and you, you're all hiding presumably as they approach. What I'll need each of you to do, a sneaky roll. The target number is zero. Um, if you fail, then they're going to spot you hiding and get some kind of advantage. So Will, you're okay, you're hidden. Yeah, Tuck's hidden. Will, John's hidden. I see it. I'm going to see it. I mean, you, you, you can roll if you, you, you use the ability, but it's up to you. I think in this case, I'll use the ability for now. So I, I'll burn my almost invisible for the session. 
Okay, so yeah, so uh, Nazir is, uh, is hidden, and Robin's hidden, uh, and this uh, wagon starts to approach. Will Scarlet, as you rightly said, the Normans killed your wife, and as they get nearer and nearer, kind of get the urge to just can't quite resist a sitting duck of a captain. And I'm going to use a compel on you that you're going to fire an arrow and blow the cover. So you can either accept that, which gives you another fate point, or you can bite off with a fate point. I'm going to bite down with a fate point. Really? Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. So you, 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 draw, you, you draw your bow, but you, you manage to kind of hold it together. Well, I'm going to use my aspect of the Normans killed my wife to... Uh, no, no point in shooting one of them. We've got to get them all. Yeah. So okay. Gonna need, we're going to need them all so I can torture them all. <laughs> okay. Right, so they don't, they don't see you're all hidden. Uh, Will manages to hold it together. I'll, I'll give I'll give Will that look, that uh, Robin. <laughs> the look, the yeah. look, you know. Don't you dare! Yeah. And they they come to a halt. They come to a halt. The horse kind of rears up slightly at this this um, this tree blocking their way. Okay, what are you going to do? I, I, I will do my. Um, you're surrounded. Uh, give up the. Uh, the gold you're carrying for the Lord's work, and and be on your way. Okay, so you uh, you step out. Who's doing the rope trick? I am, but I thought I'd wait to see how they respond. Okay, Eddie, is Little John pushing the tree first to block them in? I'm doing yeah. Okay, mate, give me a give me a plus two. It's, it's quite a kind of it's a biggish tree, so give me a plus two forceful roll. Well, I've got uh, forceful three on the approaches. Yeah? Oh right, oh god, yeah, right. Half the forest <laughs> comes down. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're trapped. Um, you're going to step out, Tuck? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to step out in, in front of them and uh, tell them that uh, the Lord needs the uh, gold you're carrying to uh, continue uh, the good works. And uh, you should uh, drop your weapons and leave now. You're completely surrounded. Okay. The two guys on the wagon just, just look kind of terrified. Just even though you're a kind of portly monk, they, they just look terrified because they realise they've been robbed. Um, and they, they just look, don't look like the kind of guys who are going to put up a fight at all. May, give, give me a roll to see if you manage to persuade these guys. I'm going to uh, use my humility, religious aspect to, uh, to, to confuse them. <laughs> okay, so they're kind of taken aback by this. But the captain has got an aspect of uh, being able to boost morale of his uh, troops. So I'm going to, I think I'm going to use a fate point to trigger that. And I'm going to give the captain, see if he can beat that five. Okay. He's going to try and beat it, but if he fails, he can re-roll or add two. All right. I'm going to use that fate point so he can re-roll. So he's going to, he's going to try and rally his men against you. This some fat priest steps out, and you all kind of get nervous and surrender. So he's going to roll again, but now he doesn't. Now they all they all kind of know you took, and they know that um, you want to rob his men. So what are the rest of you going to do? Well, when he, when he speaks up at that point, I think I'm going to lasso him and jump down. Yeah, pull him up. Okay. So I'm going to use uh, I guess the death from the shadows. So when using when hidden and using sneaky to attack, uh, I can add two. So so this plus two. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So that's a five. That's a five, and he gets a plus two, so you need to speed a plus two. So, yeah, you manage to kind of lasso him, you step out of the shadows, lasso him, drag the captain from his horse. I sort of fall down. And... One of them is going to open fire on you, Nazir, and one on you, Tuck. 
Sure. Okay. So what you need to do, they're going to attack and they get a, they get a plus two. So this is against you, Tuck. Okay, so they get a plus, plus two, so they get a two. So you need to use your dodging and, dodging and missile weapon is essentially a quick roll. It's pretty much the only approach you can you can do. So, okay, so one of the crossbow bolts fires at you, but duck out of the way. Okay, and Nazir, a crossbow bolt's going to fire at you. And that's a one, but he gets a plus two, so that's a three. So you need to be a three. Uh, looks like I did. Okay, you duck out of the way as a crossbow bolt fires at you. We'll go into uh, initiative now, all right? The way it works is in quick, quick order. So you don't roll, but your quick score is your initiative. So Nazir would go first, then I think it's Little John and Will, then it's Robin, then it's Tuck. So Nazir, you've you've acted by throwing this last Correct. Second, okay? Yeah, sure. And then the, all the Normans will go last because they're just on plus there. Okay, so Little John, you're uh, you're next. What do you want to do? I can, uh, I'm going to shoot one with my longbow. With your longbow, you, you're hidden. So yeah. you're going to use careful because it's an aimed shot and you're hidden and you get plus two to it. Who are you going to shoot at? One of the crossbow men or the footmen? Crossbow men. Fire away. Right. So you miss. Okay, so one of the arrows flies out and thuds into the uh, into the cabin and kind of alerts these guys to your presence. Will Scarlet. Yes, I'm going to leap out of the uh, undergrowth and attack one of the uh, crossbow wielders. Yeah. With a sword. sword? Down. Yeah, okay, nice one. Do it. You need to be plus two. And oh, these oh. these are kind of routine Normans. I think you've got a stunt, haven't you, against? I do. Normally, Normans. Yeah. Seven. Wow, seven. that's. <laughs> so Will steps out of the uh, steps out of the undergrowth, swings his sword, and just you know this this guy falls over the sword like like they always did. The armor's no use whatsoever, and he falls to the ground. Now that that is a also gets you what's called a boost. So next next round, as long as you're doing the same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You get a plus two as well. Okay. You get a plus two on top. So one of the uh, one of the guards falls to the ground, and it's up to you. In in fact, it, it's up to you what happens to someone that you take out. So is he is he dead or unconscious? Uh, unconscious. Unconscious. I need to interrogate him later. With that role, his twin brothers are unconscious too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And Robin. So there's a the uh, leader's horse is uh, is loose, isn't it? Now, from the trees, uh, Robin's going to land on the horse back. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. In a flashy move. Flashy, of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would say that's um, pretty, pretty difficult. So I'd say plus plus three. Give me a plus three roll. No. So you you guys see Robin leap out of the undergrowth and land on the ground near I'm, the horse. I'm going to spend a fate point. I'm not having my entrance destroyed by that. <laughs> okay. You're going to need these points later, you know. This is the opening. Anyway. <laughs> oh, no, that, that's very important. <laughs> yeah, this okay. is important. This is a big moment. So you can, you can add two to that roll or re-roll it, but I believe you add two, you've done it. Don't yeah, you? add two. Yeah, okay, so you add two. So, yeah, Robin... Um, Leaps out the undergrowth and lands on the, the back of this horse. It kind of rears up in alarm, but you manage to steady it. I'm 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 thinking the overgrowth. I'm like I'm from uh, tree tops. I'm oh, falling, right, from falling the, from, from the, the sky. The tree. Yeah, falling okay. from the tree. All right. yeah. On the back of this horse, yeah. <laughs> okay. And rearing yes. it, rearing it up in front of this uh, guy. <laughs> <laughs> Tuck. I, I 
I think I'll start to give him the benediction and then smash him over the head with the, the force of my staff. Okay, go for it. You need a plus two. Ah, uh, the old benediction tricked and fallen. Okay, right. So it's the uh, the Normans go. Right, the captain. The captain is kind of stunned by this. He, he's going to stagger to his feet. One of the crossbowmen is going to fire at Robin. Again, they get they get a plus two to this roll, so they get a four. Do you need to oppose it with your quick roll? You need to beat it. Ouch. So you take two stress. The way it works is you, you've got those three stress boxes, so you, you have to pop it into that two. So that box is gone now. Another crossbow man's going to fire at you, little John. Again, he gets plus two on this roll. So he gets that's zero, so he gets plus two, so that's two. So you need to use your quick to be a beat two. Get two or more. If you, if you equal it, then you're all right. Okay, so you take two stress as well. Does that go in the second box? You've got to think about it. It's like a little packet of damage, so you can't split it. Got to put it in one of those boxes, so you, you need to put it in two. I mean, you can put it in three, or you can hypothetically ask for a consequence. But there's the moderate consequence you could use that, but I'm assuming you're not going to be daft no. at this stage. No. Another crossbow man is going to fire at you, Will, because you're uh, quite scary. <laughs> okay, to take three stress. They've obviously up the game, the Normans. Yeah, haven't they? I think uh, I think I'll leave the captain to uh, our party member that wants revenge, and uh, I will just start going after crossbowmen. Um, yeah, drawing scimitars and going in. Would it be forceful, flashy? I'm not, I, I know there's several options here. In Nazir's case, I mean, it's forceful, flashy, or quick, really. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with flashy. I know that quick's my better stat, but I don't, I don't want to use quick for everything. Okay, so... And they're... they're oh, then I rolled poorly. Yeah, so... <laughs> so you swing, you swing your scimitars, but these guys uh, sort of dodge, manage to dodge out of the way. Little John. I'm going to go in with my quarter stuff, mate. Going for foot soldiers. Yeah. Okay, right. Uh, forceful. Two. Two. So, no, they've, they've managed to defend because it's, it's kind of easy. We likely need to create some advantages for ourselves. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm going to step into the next guy who just shot me. You're going to regret that. <laughs> okay. Go on. And you get it. You remember, you get a boost, so you get a plus two on top of your... Plus two already, so plus four to this. Oh my god. Plus nine. <laughs> wow. So that boost carries on for next round. So you're like hacking these people down. Okay, oh, he's gonna he's gonna roll, but I, I doubt he's gonna be that. Again, is he killed or unconscious? Killed him. There's never any problem in the T V show killing these people, was there? <laughs> you think about it. And Robin. So look kind of look at Robin ponting around on a horse. I'm uh, I'm on horseback, so I'm at an advantage if this guy is on the floor. And yeah. I'm going to draw my sword out and put it under his neck and ask him to tell his men to stand down before they all die. This captain has an aspect of fearing the sheriff's wrath, which I'm going to bring into play at this point. So he's frightened of you, but he's also frightened of the sheriff. So what, what approach are you using, do you think, for this? Flashy, uh, yeah, because I'm, flashy, I'm, yeah. I'm rearing yeah, up yeah. the horse and I've got the uh, my sword underneath his neck. He's seen me fall from the from the trees. He's seen all his men getting obliterated by my men. So now's his chance to give up. All right, this guy, um, yeah, he, he's, he's stunned and he's shaken. And you're kind of rearing over him in a horse with his sword to his throat. And he tells his men to stand down. And it fears for his own life and tells them to stand down. And these guys throw their weapons down. The two guys on the wagon look absolutely sort of terrified. They just look like civilians. They, they kind of surrendered the minute Tuck stepped out. We'll insist that they remove their armour, remove their weapons, 
and we'll send them on the way to Nottingham. Classic kind of strip down to their underwear, the long johns. Okay, so you open the back of the um, the wagon. Okay, it's full of sort of you know, lavish lavish treasure that the sheriff's bought. You know that the sheriff has a obsession antiquities, uh, and a lot of it looks like it's come from the uh, from the east, from the Holy Lands. You know, sort of silks and candelabras and that kind of thing. But you also you also find um, a small box, and little John, the minute you see it. Use another fate point on you here. So you you were uh, you were once enchanted by a sorcerer, weren't you? Enchantment. And the minute, the minute you yeah, the minute you see this box, this box is covered in sort of strange symbols, and you get a really bad feeling, and you recognise some of these symbols as symbols. Don't touch the box. Don't touch the box. What I need you to do is Ooh. is make a plus three clever roll kind of pull yourself together if if not you're going to take a minor consequence now okay so you're you're really spooked by this so until the end of this scene you take a mild consequence of just being spooked robin will look concerned what is it john what what is it what is it about the box something strange there robin seen these before the baron de balan's cat so yeah this box uh, relatively small sort of box, you know, a black, black kind of glossy, polished wood with these strange symbols on it and pen, sort of pentacles, pentacle on top of it. I'd like to take a look at the box. I've, I was once a sorcerer's henchman. Maybe I have an idea of what this is. Okay, well, Nazir, you you look at it, and again, I'm going to invoke the same thing against you. Yeah. You need to make a plus. Uh, you're equally spooked by it. Cause sure. Uh, make, give us a plus three. That's not good. Um, no. So you, no. Get, you get the same. Uh, you get the same kind of mild consequence. Sure. And, and I don't have any idea of what. Can I make another roll to identify anything about it? I mean, obviously, I'm scared by it. But do I do I know anything about it? Yeah, you can make. Give me a. Yeah, give me a, a plus one clever roll. Uh, and I I, I'll, I will spend a fate to uh, to call him a once a sorcerer's henchman. I guess a three. So. Yeah, so you, you've done it. Yeah, you can add two. And um, these these symbols are the kind of Eastern language, Arabic, strange ancient dialect, but they seem to be references to death. Yeah, I just sort of spit and say it's evil, dark magic. You can feel something rolling around inside this box. Tuck, maybe you should bless this and confine whatever evil sorcery is at work. Or we could take it to the uh, to the abbey to have uh, a blessing there. Is, is there uh, a chance that I've read about it at all? Uh, there is, yeah, yeah. I mean, like I say, you can you can uh, make a roll. Give me a plus one roll, clever roll. Mm. I've got something that says I've read about it when using clever to find out uh, if you know a fact that would have been in a book at the monastery. You get a plus yeah. two roll. I'd, 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 think, uh, I'd like to use that. There's something inside this box, but the, the engravings on the outside, vague. They're almost decorative, I suppose, you know, about bringing, bringing a curse on your enemies and that kind of thing, box. I mean, do we suspect that the sheriff would know what this is and is sent for this? I just think he sees these as trinkets. You know, you know that the sheriff has, has an obsession, an interest in mysticism and 
the occult. But he, but Eve, you know from from encounters with him in the past that he views it as mumbo jumbo. Do, do, do I feel particularly uneasy about this as a man of God? There's a definite sense of black magic. And is, is there a is there a lock on the box? Uh, there's a little lock, yeah. But I mean, you could pick the lock or maybe force it open. It wouldn't be I, that I difficult think to force it. The Lord will protect me. Um, I'll I'll open the box. Force it open. Um, yeah, it's I'll, not hard to force open. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you kind of. Give it, give it Stick a, a little dagger in it. Uh, yeah, it. and pri- prize, prize the lid off. Yeah, and it, inside is a is a largish that size of, of a fist, what looks like a kind of scarab beetle. And on the back of it, there are lots of little inscriptions. Which, whilst you can't read them as an educated man, you know that these inscriptions all seem to be in different languages. So, it seems to be a bit of bit of Hebrew, bit of bit of Latin, which you can read. Bit of Greek bit of ancient Arabic. You can't read the other languages, but you can read the Latin. Uh, and the Latin seems seems to be names of people. The other the other words. Are they not names? No, they're not names you recognise. No. Are they, are they English names? Or no, no, names no, no. Like English? perhaps perhaps Roman. Not uh, not names from around here. Seen as here, see uh, uh, little John. Nothing to be worried about. It's just a, a stone beetle. Okay, Will. Will Scarlet, you're uh, you're pacing around now. You're not really taking much interest in this. You're kind of busy yeah. bullying the uh, the guard that you've still got captured. So the rest of you are looking at this box, and intrigued by this box. But Will, you're you're not. So Will, I'm going to give you um, as you're um, there. Will, an arrow flies out of the forest towards you. That's a zero, right? You need to beat uh, a zero with your quick roll. Okay. Yeah, so you do it. So you you just at the moment this arrow's loosed, the person firing it steps on a branch and just alerts you to it. Good luck, guys! Okay. okay, welcome back. So we're continuing to look at uh, these uh, rules. Let's talk about boosts. Yeah, boosts are... Ooh, I, I, I'm, never, I'm not quite keen on these. These are a bit fiddly, aren't they? But a boost is where you do a roll and you get, I think it's three, three or above what you needed. So, for example, if you if you need a, a two, um, if you get a five, that gives you what's called a boost. Yeah. And the way it describes it, <laughs> the rules, is it gives you a temporary aspect that you can invoke for free. And you read that and you think, what on earth are they talking about here? But all it means is it's a bit like a critical. If you're in combat and you get a boost, it means that if you're still in combat the next round, you get a plus two on the roll because your previous attack was so successful that you so made, stylish. Stylish, you've unsteadied, you know, you've knocked the shield out of the way, if it's a sword fight or whatever, that kind of thing. You know, so if you're hiding, if you're moving silently down a corridor and you get a boost, next round, if you're still doing the same thing, you can basically get a plus two. That's yeah. that's all it really means. Yeah. And the only thing that's tricky about him is tracking them, isn't it? Tracking so, them and remembering them, I think, and, and remembering that I think they only apply if you are doing the same kind of thing. Yeah. So if you change your action or do something completely different, it doesn't matter. So I think when we did the Joe Cornelius one, we used um, we used post-it notes to... Yes, and I played it at Owlbear, and he, he did the same thing. The Games Master, you gave out post-it notes to remind people that they had a boost next round, which they could, they could bring into play. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but a little bit hard to track. It's it's one of those. It's a very sort. Of, I suppose in many ways, it's one of these games that's quite transactional, isn't it? That you know, 
Yeah. You've got a boost next round. You've paid a fate point. You've got a fate point. That kind of thing going on. Yeah. So it's that, yeah, it's that trading, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's trading. that trading things. Yeah. 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 At times in the game, you would be trading, buying off things or trading fate points with yeah. with the games master. Yeah. Yeah. Let's look at um, combat situations because mm-hmm. I want to look at um, stress because... I know that when I was looking at this, this was the bit that I struggled yeah. getting my head around. Yes, it's quite it's quite stressful. It's, it's damage, it, isn't it? It's taking damage. damage. It's, it's sort of damage, it's, but it also applies to mental stress as well, isn't it? So if you, you it can, can do, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, you get yeah in in um, in fat core, you have a kind of mental stress boxes as well. So yeah, yeah. and you can get fatigue. It could be a kind of fatigue as well. Yeah. So depending yeah, on yeah. the situation, yeah. it's. Something that's affecting your character yes. that is leading up to a consequence. Made up to a consequence that might might will then become a temporary aspect that your character's got. Yeah. So yes. Okay, so let's have a crack at it in terms of combat. Let's see. <laughs> let, let's forget for a moment. You know, feeling tired and exhausted from having really? climbed a big hill. Uh, let's talk about something that's real and that's having a, a sword fight. Being it with a sword. Yeah. 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 Well, I. Yeah, it, 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 you're right. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Because every time I read the stress rules, it, it took me a long time to think, yeah, I understand that. And then two or three days later, I thought, oh, should I do now? I want to look at it again. <laughs> so the way it works is that um, you have, and this is true of Fate Accelerated and Fate Core, you've got three stress boxes, right? You've got a box that can soak up one point of stress. You've got a box that can stroke, soak up two points of stress. And you've got a box that can soak up three points of stress, okay? And in fake core, you can sometimes have extra boxes that can soak up four, but depending on your skill set, but let's not worry about that. And then you've got three consequence boxes. You've got mild consequence, which can soak up two stress, moderate consequence that can soak up four stress, and severe consequence that can soak up six stress. Like a tongue twister, isn't it? And what happens is, you're fighting, you get hit by a sword. Let's suppose you take two stress. That two stress box can soak up that two stress. So you pop your two stress into that two stress box, right? Let's suppose the next round you take another two stress. You're getting a bit of a pasting, right? Yeah. You have to put that somewhere. So you've got some choices now. You can fill up your three stress box... And even though it's only two stress, that box then goes. Okay? Yeah. You've not got a point of stress left in it. It's all or nothing. It's like a packet of damage. It's got it. Once that box is... So you could put your two stress in the three stress box and that's gone. Or you could say, I'll take a mild consequence, which the mild consequence box takes up two stress. And when you take a consequence, that means something's happened to you in the fight. So you'd have to come up with something and say sprained ankle sprained ankle you've been hit in the arm yeah something like that and what then happens is the next round your opponent can use that against you Hmm. so they can make life more difficult for you the next round Uh, it it works like an aspect doesn't it it does yeah and then and then after that first round where they use it against you the games master can use it a bit like a trouble can use a fake point to kind of make it more difficult make it more difficult for you um to which, Blyther, I would say, what's bloody wrong with hit points? To which, Dirk, I would say, I think you've got a point. 
it is quite tricky, you know, particularly tricky when you think, you know, if you, in that example, your two stress box has gone, your three stress box has gone, and your mild consequence, your mild consequence has gone, and you, you could then take another two stress. And what you can do is split it between the boxes and the consequences. So whilst, this is where it's really hard to, it's not hard, but it's hard to explain. Yes. It's like the curse of fate, isn't it? That as soon as it's like a curse. As soon as people start talking about it, it gets really complicated. Yeah, and it, it isn't that complicated. It isn't complicated. No. And I think some of the language of the rule book makes it complicated because it talks about shifts and yeah. tracks, and yeah. they like this um, analogy of tracks, don't yeah. they? Throughout yeah. it, um, yeah. The language, the language of the rules is is a bit trouble. It, it, it can be a bit confusing. It's kind of unfamiliar. You know, it feels an odd rule set when you read it. So like I said earlier, I think when it's attached to something, it makes more sense. But of course, if you're reading the rules for the first time, it's not. It's, it is a generic system, so it sits outside of a setting, yeah. and that does does make it more complicated. And I think you're right; the language they use is is tricky. In in many ways, I would say to someone, if you're interested in getting into fate, get fate accelerated first. Yeah, because fate accelerated is a much neater rule book and it's the same rules and it's cheaper for a start but it's also very it's it's kind of better written i think yeah it's much clearer once all your stress is consumed and yeah. you've got it you're taken out aren't you and you're taken out yeah i, I like how mm. your opponent can decide yes your opponent decides yeah um what, what you're gonna do and it's good in the context of um Robin of Sherwood, because it meant that we could um, take hostages or you know, yeah. do, do what they do in the uh, in the yes. program yeah. a lot more, and yeah. um, rather than like cutting the throats or you know something yes. more bloody. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're not necessarily killing people. You can, and I suppose as well, it's good. It's good from a games master's position. It's good for a you know a con game particularly because if a player is really unlucky, you can always say, well, yeah, you can. Put a bit of story around it. Put a story around it. They're not. They're not dead. And you can wait for the big, the big climax at the end of the game to say, you no, know, you know, if you're taken out in this scene, you are dead. You yeah. Know, and that, you know, but it's kind of man quite manageable in that sense. You know, but I suppose some some people might not, might not like that, because it's a, it's a strange thing in that it gives the games master, authority over whether you're, dead or not. Yeah. Which a lot of games don't. I mean, it's one of the advantages to a game, isn't it? That the games master can shrug and go, hey, it's not me, it's the dice and the rules that killed yeah. you. Whereas in fact, if you're taken out, the games master's got the dilemma of going, Ooh, and we've heard of. Do uh, I say they're dead? <laughs> we've heard of uh, circumstances where people have said, uh, right, my consequence is getting my. Um, somebody else on the party is going to take my consequence because <laughs> um, I've managed to hit them. I hit them by mistake, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is just silly. Yeah, it's silly. <laughs> I think I'd end up hitting the person who said that, but there you go. <laughs> Literally. To hell with the consequences. <laughs> to hell with the consequences. Yeah. But in a sense, that that's... I think we've kind of covered it. That's the game, isn't that's it? That's the it's game. Not, it's not that difficult. No. Um and there's lots of stuff out there to help you as well. There's the uh, website. Yeah, the FATE, the FATE SRD 
www.ghostbusiness.com website, which is again very good because the rules are there online and actually again a, a slightly more trimmed down version of the rules that focuses on the bits you really need to know. It's more succinct, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right then, uh, Blythe, we're going to listen to some more of the actual play of Robin of Sherwood and then we're going to come back and you're going to don your wig and pass judgment <laughs> on fate. Back to familiar territory. Until then. A group of bandits attacked Robin and his band of merry men as they inspected the strange stone scarab found within the Sheriff of Nottingham's hoard of treasure. Once overcome, the bandits revealed that they were working for a Dane who wanted the scarab recovering from the treasure on the promise that they could keep the rest of it. Will's overzealous form of retribution killed the head of the bandits, so we couldn't find out any more. We returned to Wickham, ready to redistribute the wealth, when we were met by a very ill-looking Edward of Wickham, played by Jeremy Bullock, who was also Boba Fett. A curse had been put on the village by a group of Danes who were looking for the scarab, as they had been given word that Robin had stolen it. On return of the scarab, the curse would be lifted by their master. And that night, Robin, as you're kind of drifting off to sleep, you, uh, you hear the call of Herman Hunt. Of course Somebody, I do. Of course, summon, I do. Course, you, of course you do at this point yeah. in the story. Herman's <laughs> going to appear at some I heard the hunter. Uh, he's kind of calling you to his, uh, to his cave. You going to go? Uh, of course I'm going to go. With my arrow. Yes, with your silver arrow. And uh, in slow motion. Across Wookiee Hall. Sure enough, an old fella wearing antlers on his head appears. Hearn urges you. He says that the scarab is being put to evil use. Someone has a, an evil purpose for it, which will change the face of Saxon Britain if they get their way. And you must destroy the scarab. Destroy the scarab, so the scarab is intrinsically evil. He says, destroy the scarab. You will need to do it. You'll need the Songs of Baal. The Songs of Baal, which is a book in the sheriff's library. The sheriff collects these things. In the book of Baal, there is an incantation that will destroy the scarab. Under no circumstances, let uh, let people have it. People who want it mustn't have it. Oh, Suitably mystical. He seems to know, as in true Hearn style, he seems to know a lot about some things and absolutely nothing about other things. <laughs> <laughs> but he's very. He urges you that it must be. You must be. You must destroy it. Yeah, we'll ask about. I'll ask about the curse. I, I, will we alleviate the curse on uh, Marion and uh, Wickham? The person who put it on Wickham needs to lift it, or. You need to kill that person. And who's kill. done it? Who who seeks the scarab? He kind of clutches his head. It's, it's very strong magic. I can't. I can't see. He can't see that. He doesn't know. But he knows. It's a, he senses great evil. Because Ahern disappears back into the mists. So so I'll re, I'll, re, I'll return to uh, Wickham and wake everybody up and as he normally does. We need to uh, we need to steal the book of Baal from Nottingham. Now, of course we do. I won't explain why. I'll just say that that's what we need to do. You want to explain why? No. All right. Because well, Robin well. never does, does he? He just says <laughs> you have to go. We have to do this and steal from uh, the sheriff's library. So, what's our plan then to get into Nottingham? 
do I know anything about the library? Presumably, I've I've been there before as a man of book. Know the locations? Yes, you you know what you kind of know where it is, but you know that it's in the in the middle of the castle, so it's in the living quarters of the of the sheriff himself. So it's, okay. it's there, yeah, yeah. Maybe if we could sneak in at night, dressed as monks. Yes, um, and librarians, yeah, scholars, scholars, yeah. Well, I can uh, dress them all up as uh, monks, I'm sure, being one myself. Would monks, I think monks might be more out of place than guardsmen, right? And we've got some guardsmen laying around here, don't, or, <laughs> well, I guess we can. Yeah. yeah, you did, that's true, you did, you did strip them of their armour and weapons. Yeah. And, yeah that's true. So what we, could, what we could pretend to be is an entourage, couldn't we? Uh, bringing scholars from... Uh... Well, it could be from Lincoln, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> okay, please. You know, you know we are, though, not we? Yeah, but we can disguise, can't we? Hiding like a hair rick, don't we? And just pile of hair over the top of us and just going through the doors. Put Nazir, as, uh, Nazir in a uh, Norman outfit, because they never recognise Nazir, do they? Yeah, no. It's true. It's true. Actually, <laughs> Scar Scarlet leading the uh, horses in a Norman knight's outfit. The rest of us are uh, in the hay bale, and we're yeah. breaking that way. Do you reckon? Oh, um, I could sit as a at the front as a monk because I am one. Yeah, you're a monk. <laughs> yeah, just in case they, they ask yeah. monkey things. I, I, I would I would recommend that someone who's good at speaking maybe be out front. What we'll do, we'll put a false beard on uh, Tuck and make him look like a scholar. Say that he's a visiting dignitary with a hay bale and uh, two Norman soldiers say that say that you've come to visit the library. I do. I'm I'm going to deposit a a, a new book into the library, uh, one the sheriff will be interested in. Yes. Um, and uh, we'll we'll make up something out of whatever we've we've got to make it look flashy. We'll put a we'll put a gold clasp around the book. Um, and a wax seal so that uh, the guards won't uh, think to open it. Little John will take the card, put it just alongside the wall, and when you get caught, you're chased out and you jump off the walls and off the walls, here, jump over. Bounce off the hair, and then we're away. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be perfect. <laughs> So you, you head towards Nottingham, so we'll cut to Nottingham. Um, so you can get into Nottingham Town relatively easily. There's, there's no problem with that. It's getting into the castle. The gates on the castle gates. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll address them from the from the front of the cart. Tell them I've got a, a book for the sheriff's library. Travelled a long way to deposit this. I'm in a hurry. I've got to get back. Um, let us through, please, and my guards. Okay. So these guards, these guys are a couple of uh, rather bored, typical castle guards. Give me a give me a clever roll, but get a, a zero. Just need a zero or more really to get get past them. I mean, you've got Nazir and Will have got their helmets on. Yeah, so you just 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 do it. It's a little bit nervous. They kind of eye you slightly suspiciously, but uh, they they let you through. They let you through into the castle courtyard. So you go into the castle courtyard and you've got you've got the main wall around you. Uh, you've got stables, wagons. There's, there's quite a lot of guards and people milling around servants milling around and then you've got the main building uh, ask one of the guards to uh, show me to the library one of these nervous guards i'll say i've got to meet the sheriff there so who's going with you 
uh, yeah. the guards, his guards, well, yeah, you, Nazir and, and Will, what are, they, what are they rest to be doing? You, uh, are you just we're, we're Robin and Little John, isn't it? You're just yeah. in the hair. Yeah, we, we've got. We, we'll come out with our uh, wide-brimmed hats. And uh, my longbow looking like a crook, you know, the, a walking stick, and uh, we're ready for the great escape. Right, well, give me a, both of you, give me a clever roll. Little John, one of your, uh, I think your trouble is you stand out in a crowd, don't you? So I'm going to use, I'm going to use a compel on you, so I'll give you an extra fate point if, as you sort of step out and put your wide-brimmed hat on, immediately somebody notices you. So you can either buy that off with a fake point or you can accept it. I'm going to buy that off. Buy it off. Yeah. But, but I think we should position it near where it's a decent escape if they have to jump out of the window or something. Yeah, we know, we know where the uh, library window is so that when they jump out. Okay, so the rest, the, you three, um, you're hanging around the haircut, you three are going into the castle. This guard's sort of leading you uh, through the main area of the castle. All right, so you, you're working your way down the narrow passages and somebody kind of squeezes past angrily. Always looks like he's in a bit of a temper. And uh, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Gives you the gives you an eye as if he's, you know, wondering what uh, what's going on. You know, who's this, this character? Make, each of you needs to make plus two a clever role to see if you kind of maintain your composure. Oh, good. Okay, so yeah, he, he kind of pushes past you, but he, he, he doesn't he doesn't pop, cotton on. And uh, this guard takes to the library. The, the guard waits outside. Three go in. So uh, we'd better start looking for the book. Um, what we'll do is uh, we'll try and look for it uh, around, and when we find it, we'll uh, replace the cover of that book with the one that we brought in, leave it in place in the library, and hightail it out of here as quick as we can. So you start looking at uh, this book. Check the door. I'll check the window. Yeah. Okay. So Tuck Tuck starts looking at this book. Yeah. I'm possibly the only one that can read. I guess. Yeah. 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 You are. You are really. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. Problem is though, you uh, you look at some of these books, and there's there are a few that are in Latin because you can read Latin, but there are some that are in other other languages. There are five that are in other languages that you you can't read. I can probably read Arabic. So Would it be if to grab all five and run. Sure. I mean. It's not like we care about his library. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> at this point, you, you, you gather together these five books. They're kind of big. You hear the guard outside talking, uh, and you hear someone angrily saying, get out of my way, you fool. You hear the door start to open. On the table and open it as if I'm in it, and I'm <laughs> going to try and bluff and say, what do you want to whoever comes in? So, yeah, he... he he sort of opens the door uh, and, and looks at you and says, who the hell are you? What are you doing? What are you doing in here, man? And you two, he looks at you two guards. What, what's going on? Okay, give me a, give me a clever roll, but you're going to have to do a plus, it's a plus three, this. He's no, he's no idiot. I'm keeping my mouth closed. I'll let Tuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Nazir and Nazir and Tuck can get away with it, but his eye falls on Scarlet. And he says, I know you, Scarlet. He starts to shout. I start to hold up and punch him. I start closing <laughs> the... I, I, I was guarding the door, so I'm going to close the door. There's a guard outside. Give me a quick roll. See if you're quick enough. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. So you managed to slam the door shut. And this guard starts to beat on it. Shout for assistance. But you managed to shut the door. The sheriff starts to look slightly nervous at that point. But still, uh, still kind of angry. 
demanding you kind of drop your weapons. You know, you know who I am. And you, uh, you very, very quickly hear the word Gisbert banging on the door. Have you started stealing books? Are you opening a library now? Wolf's head. <laughs> Scarlet's going to grab him by his lapels, nut him with his helmet on, and shout him right in his face. Answer the question! Which one's the, the, the songs of Val? Well, isn't it obvious? Isn't it obvious? It's the Answer the question one. or I'll throw you out the window. He points to he points to one, and uh, Tuck, you, you recognise that, although you can't read it, it's it's written in Hebrew. That's the, it does seem to be the right one. Drag the uh, sheriff to the window. Look out of it, see if the cult's position below. The Shrubbin Sherwood. Sheriff. sheriff are you those, mad? It's one of those comedic scenes that they often have. I'm going to say, are you ready to go? You're you gonna... insane. You're insane. What's wrong with you? I'm throwing out the window. You're going to throw out the window. Yeah. Okay. Of course, we, we need a hostage. It was all... And one who can read ancient Hebrew. Absolutely. Mm. Okay. Right. So you you throw the sheriff out the window. Well, I'm I'm, no, I'm, I'm going to use one of my fate points here to say he lands in the car because I, I can't kill the sheriff off. Can I? He's too much of a character. He's in the car, um, Robin and little John, you, you, to your astonishment, see the sheriff of Nottingham land in his hair car, kind of spluttering, and he looks like he's about to shake for help. I'll lift him with my quarter stop to knock him out. You go one, you stunt, haven't you, to yeah. knock him out. Yeah. A forceful roll against his quick. He sort of leaps up out of the hair and he's just about to shake for Gisborne and bump. As the sheriff's thro thrown out of the window, the, the door uh, explodes open and uh, Gisborne is standing there with his sword drawn. I'm going to push Tuck out the window. We need we need in his ear and Gisborne fight here, don't we? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm happy to do that, but at the same time, I'm worried about Tuck fitting through that window. Don't yeah, I, uh, I'll, I'll hold him out. I've got enough. Gisborne's there. It's, it's kind of small room, this library, so there's, there's some guards behind you, but they're not really going to get... Uh, you know. So in this particular case, I'm gonna I'm guard, I'm in a guard position, so I'm not gonna go on the offense, but I will draw both swords and basically stand at a defense uh, of uh, Will and uh, Tuck just to make sure that they can get out the window. Um, and he is an expert swordsman, so he's pretty pretty good. Okay, it's a plus four on his roll. Okay, so he's gonna lunge at the Saracen. You got any aspects aspects you could use? Well, I mean, I'm defending right now, so I just want to make sure I don't get hurt. You manage to kind of you know cap. His, uh, catch his sword in your, uh, your scimitars. Um, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push uh, Tuck out the window. Out the window yeah. uh, he goes tumbling down. All right, uh, let's, let's see if he, uh, if he lands in the hair, hair cart. Probably a roll for Will, actually. Will Scarlet, isn't it? Because you're kind of lobbing him out of there. What do you want? Force I think, I think it's more careful, isn't it? You're lining him up. Well, you're, aim, you're aiming him at the... Uh, my worst skill. You know, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, I think my arse has got stuck. I need to be shoved through. <laughs> Sounds good to me. I'll give you forceful. Give me a, a plus two roll on forceful. His little so, pale legs <laughs> waving around the yeah. A couple somersaults. And I'll, I'll follow him straight out. So I'm going to attempt to disarm uh, here with... Uh, oh, I like it. Yeah. Okay. That's so, flashy. Oh, it's a flashy move, isn't it? That? Yeah, I think so. So it'll do flashy here and... He's going to use flashy to to defend against that. Because you're both pretty skilled swordsmen. He gets a plus two on his flashy. Zero plus two. So he's beating you. But I, I will always... I will use a uh, 
one of my fate points, and I am an expert with two scimitars. Absolutely. So, so raise it to two. Okay. So you uh, you catch his sword and you flip it through the air, and it skewers one of the books, uh, lands one of the books, and skewers them. He's gonna he's gonna step back this round, and he, there's two guards behind him. He's gonna tell the two guards to grab you next round. Sure. Okay. So Will, you can uh, out the window. Yeah. I could use a fate point here to. Uh, uh, to do something. Just add plus two, can I? Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. yeah, I'll do that. Then. Yeah. Okay, so you land in the hair car. Yeah. Okay. So Will and Tuck have gone. Uh, Gisborne has kind of stepped back to retrieve his sword, which means that two guards have come forward to uh, lunge at you with their swords. Here. You get to act first. Uh, I'm going to basically salute them and back out the window and <laughs> no, a no look jump uh, here out the <laughs> flashy window. <laughs> Plus two. I, oh, look at that. I'm gonna stick, <laughs> sticks on that roll. Now Robin will uh, so, hit, hit the horse's hinds and uh, <laughs> we'll go charging out. Hopefully we didn't get the wrong book. We're going out, the drawbridge is closed, so uh, Robin will shoot the uh, rope to let it drop. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll let you do that. <laughs> it looks so good, it looks so good. <laughs> you got a conscious sheriff. And uh, you just see Gisborne out of the window calling you a wolf's head. Just by the rules. Okay, welcome to the room of role-playing rambling. He's put on his ermine. He's put on his wig. He's fingering his gavel. Yes. Don't say fingering. He's back. And uh, we're going to pass judgment on uh, on fate. I'm only going to give you, because uh, we've gone through the rules in some yeah, details. Yeah. Just tell me what you like about it. It manages to strike a nice balance between... Familiar old school stuff, rolling dice, having target numbers, that kind of thing. Yeah. But it also brings in a little bit of modernity, shall we say? Yeah. More of a kind of story game thing, but not too much. It's a nice, it's a nice balance between the two things of role, R O L L, playing, and role playing, R O L E playing. Oh wow. You need pet in that. I know. So, but I think I think what's helped you, um, because we had a couple of goals at this. What's helped you is that act on Cthulhu, isn't it? Because yes, you know we're familiar with uh, the Cthulhu yes. through basic role playing, and what this is is it's less hard nosed, isn't it, to deal with? Yeah, those it's, it's situations. a bit more. It's a bit more flexible, um, which I like about it. That there's a bit of flexibility in it, um, but not too much. You know, it's not it's not like a free for all, and I think. Sometimes it perhaps feels a bit like that on the face of it. That is it just a free for all of using words and phrases to get what you want? Yeah, it can I, be, I, I don't for, think it, it is really. I, I think going back to what I was saying about its enthusiasm, it kind of um, misdirects you into thinking that it's a loosey goosey system, and it isn't a loosey goosey no, system. It's not really tight. No, the only thing is, is that it you've got. Very few options. It's only going to be plus two or re-roll, isn't it? Yeah, pr- pretty much. Yeah, it's a, it's a simple it's a simple system. Um, Does it give enough variety of results though? The mechanics of the game don't give you much because it's plus twos, re-rolls, and success on a on a ladder, a shift of whatever, and that's it. Where the game becomes more varied is where you have the aspects that you create in a scene 
or the advantages you might create or the stress consequences, that kind of thing. But what that's depending on, I think this is where it's tricky, it's depending on players and games masters to come up with those things. Yes. And I think for us grognards, that is sometimes a bit tricky. Because what, what you're doing is the dice are giving you a result. So it's, it's like that, isn't it, with stress? Say a moderate consequence, which in game terms is something that's going to last for the rest of the session, right? So again, it's a sword fight and you get hit and you've got to come up with a moderate consequence. So the games master might say, well, well, you've been hitting the arm, you've been hitting the leg. Um, Just give me a d20 and let me e hit e the left leg. Ex exactly, exactly. That, that can be the bit that becomes hard work. You know, because it was a bit like Numenero, you had the Games Master's intrusions, a very similar thing to Fate, where, you know, you, you interrupt the game and say, oh, this happens or that happens. And part of you's thinking, well, the game can just run itself, can't it? You know? Yeah. And, that, and, and RuneQuest is a good example of the complete opposite of Fate, because in RuneQuest, you roll for a fumble on a table, you roll for the hit location, this, that and the other. The game tells you what's happening. The dice tell you what's happening. Whereas in fate, what it's asking you to do is, yeah, roll dice, but at certain points, come up with something that's happening. Invent something that yeah. seems reasonable in that particular situation. And I think that's quite difficult because sometimes when you're rolling lots of dice, sometimes you just want to say, oh, I'll miss, or, oh, well, you've, you've you know. It's like D&D, &D, isn't it? You get hit with a sword in D&D, &D, you lose three hit points. Yeah. You just lose three hit points. You don't have to come up with... You've got a minor what's, scar on what's upper, happened yeah. what's happened how many points have you got well I've only got six so you've lost half your hit points oh well let's say you've been hitting the leg well that means you're on the floor or you can't run as quick that, that kind of thing isn't it that requires perhaps a degree of effort that in any given particular instance you can always think of, of a of a example of that but in the run of play when there's lots and lots of instances over say a three or four hour session it becomes, it's quite hard work. Yeah. I think it's hard work to come up with stuff all the time. Yeah, and I think as well when I was uh, games mastering, because it was a different situation that uh, we were doing, I tended to um, overplay it. Mm. So because there's no limitations, and I think this is why it gets scaled up into uh, superhero games, yes. you can yeah. go wild, can't you? Because yeah. you, the consequences and the aspects and... That can be as weird and wild as wonderful as you want. And the results can be as weird and wild yeah. and wonderful as and you I want. Think that's There's why nothing fixing it down. Exactly. And I think that's why it works in some settings and not others. That's why the Acton Cthulhu is appealing. Because Fate, with Cthulhu monsters in Fate, big horrendous monsters, you know, and it, it can be uh, scaled up a bit. Yeah. You know? And you're right, superhero games would work well with Fate. Thing I like about it, and I think it keys into what you're saying. So what you're saying has got an element of flexibility in it, but it's got a requirement that everybody works a bit harder. And I think each time that we've played it, it's been stretching muscles that we didn't know we had. Yes. And what I like about it, take Robin of Sherwood. So what we actually did, if if we'd have done that back in the day, like thirty odd years ago, mm. we'd have gone down the route of getting hold of uh, Graham Sturplehurst uh, supplement and reading all the uh, details of Norman Britain. <laughs> yeah. uh, what exactly is the uh, sheriff's jurisdiction in, uh, 
in Sheffield. <laughs> uh, that, that did, did they really were chain mail in the 11th century? Would even scale mail? You know, <laughs> I, there's a slight difference in protection quality. Yes, I, think, I think you'll find. Yeah, I think you'll find. <laughs> Or, or we, you know, even th- even three years ago, yeah. I'd have probably gone to Mithras and Mythic yeah. Britain and looked at the <laughs> lavish detail in there and trying to, mm. you know, find some verisimilitude in the um, detail. Yeah, we, we, would have, we would have struggled over, you know, the fact that Robin and his men seem to always defeat men in heavy armor. How are we gonna how are we gonna accommodate that in this system? Because if you're wearing chainmail, you've got you've got lots of protection. It's never gonna it's never gonna work. No. It's never gonna work. We've probably given up. With uh, with fate <laughs> with with fate it allowed everybody to frame this within the world of Robin and Sheep. Yes. The tea time television yes. programme. Yeah. And we behaved, our characters behaved like the characters in it because yeah. we all had an understanding of where the world operates, yeah. and we could make it work. Yeah. Um, so we weren't replicating, we weren't simulating Norman Britain or the, no. the world of uh, Robin and Sherwood, uh, the world of Robin Hood. It was Robin of Sherwood. Yes, and I think that's where fate really, really works well. That if you wanted to simulate a TV show, fate would be the system to go to. Definitely, because it it works in that that way and i think as well as a game it worked because we all bought into that world we all understood the parameters of the world we were in exactly and and it made and and also it makes that problem that i've just been discussing of coming up with stuff consequences and story detail it makes it a bit easier because you're framing that stuff within the context of a TV show. Yes, so you, you yeah. immediately think of stuff that would happen in the TV show and it becomes a bit easier to, to come up with those kind of ideas, I think. Yeah. You know? And we it allowed us to create the uh, dramatic beats that you'd find in um, the mm. programme. So the sensible thing would be for us all to escape, but... Um, Nazir had to fight Gisborne. Mm, yeah, because you know? that's what would happen in the no. show. There'd be a fight, you know. It'd be completely irrational, but there would be a fight. Yeah. That's what we did. Yeah. yeah, that's what someone did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. and I think that's where it's um, where fate works really well. I think where it wouldn't work well at all is if you tried to do something gritty and realistic. I'm not sure fate's a system for that because no. even the act on Cthulhu supplement that I've got. Although it's set in the Second World War, the feeling you get from it, and whether this would be true with basic role playing or not, I don't know. The feeling you get from it is it's it's more about pulpy war movies rather than the Second World War. You yeah. know, that's how it comes across, and I think fate's good for that. I, I don't think it would be good if you wanted something a bit more gritty and a bit more down to earth. You know, that kind of grimy fantasy, the kind of fantasy that. Warhammer presents you with, or, yeah. or RuneQuest presents you with. If you want that, don't go to Fate because Fate is a bit more. It's more comic book. Yeah, a bit more superficial. And I think yeah, uh, Eddie gives that charge, doesn't he? He says that it it feels more comic booky, um, and that that's fine. Yeah, because sometimes that fits. Sometimes sometimes that fits, but it but it fits in certain. Yeah, it fits. It's not a, a not a game that you can bend to every option. Yeah, it it fit it works within that comic book pulpy sort of feel to it. 
With my downside, I would have to say that the um, stress and the way that it handles that yes. is unnecessarily complicated. Yeah. Yes, it is a bit, yeah, yeah. Because you start thinking you can't, you've got to put stress in one box, but then of course you can put it in a box and split it over consequences and you do... You can get your head around it, but you think you're right. You do think, you think this is unnecessary. What's this adding to it, really? Why not? Why not just say, if you take so much damage, you then suffer a consequence? Yeah, you know, something like that. Yeah, like on a yeah, rather than trying to divvy it up amongst boxes, it seems a bit. Yeah, it is. It's a little bit. It seems unnecessarily complicated. Now, before you go, I'm going to ask you a burning question. Okay. Okay. I think it's time, the time has come, for us to reassess two things. Okay. First thing is Jason Connery. Okay, yeah. Do I think it's time? Reassess him, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Your favourite, you know, <laughs> brother has gone to find his dynasty he's elsewhere. His, yeah, he's gone to dynasty. 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 <laughs> Goes to di- find his dynasty and ends up on a farm. Uh, in, in <laughs> With a haircut. Yeah. Yeah. So he goes and in comes this imposter. Mm. It don't feel right, does it? No. It don't feel right because everybody's like skirting around it. Because he's not regenerated. He's it's not regenerated, no, he's a different... But, but uh, to be fair to it... I think the first couple of episodes that he was... The, the, the Merry Men were equally... They felt the same, didn't they? Yeah. They didn't accept him immediately, so it was handled... I, I shared that. I yeah, shared yeah, yeah. It. But it was handled relatively well, I think. You know, it wasn't like he walked in and said, oh, I'm the new, I'm new Hearn's son. The old one's dead. Hearn's selected me, uh, so let's just carry on as normal. I think they were quite sceptical of him for a few episodes. So yeah. they did deal with it in a... As best they could, I think. And I think since um, doing the podcast and re-watching those ones, the stories are really good, some mm. really good yeah, stories. Yeah, in yeah. They're, just, they're just as good as any of the others. I think it's just... Yeah. I think I've got you on side with that one. Yeah, right. yeah, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. It's, not, it's not Jason's fault, is it? No. People people criticise him as if it was his fault. It's Praed's fault, really. He's a real villain of the piece, isn't he? Why did he clear off the dynasty? Yeah. Taking his hair with him. It's Connery's hair, it's not as good, is it? It's after his dad, maybe. So let's the next one, right? The next person who I feel needs reassessment, okay, right? reevaluation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kevin Costas. Costas not that bad. Contra- Kevin Costas. Controversial, controversial. But I know what you mean. I think we watched uh, Prince of Thieves and and liked it. It's, yeah. one them, it's one of those things people look at now and go, "Oh, look at this ridiculous film." Well, I think the people that um, people took exception to the American accents. Didn't they, they? they did, yeah. They, they, took, they took exception to that because they all said, "Oh, why can't you do an English accent?" But you think, oh, you and know. you had uh, Ripman chewing the scenery. Yes, Robert. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like him? Do you? I don't. I can't, I he's, don't. he's on. He's on your list with Martin Freeman, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. You don't like him, Ripman? Do you? <laughs> he's the same in everything he does. Truly, <laughs> <Julie laughs> madly rubbish. <laughs> um. I once saw him uh, buying stockings in Bloomingdale. Did you? That's another story, though. What? What? Alan Rickman? Alan Rickman, yeah. Really? Anyway, that's, that's another well, story. No, no, no. Hang on. No, no, no. Gloss over <laughs> that. He was shouting at the thing. Buying, buying stockings? Buying stockings, yeah. Which is like a theatre thing, maybe. You like to think of theatre? What, for the theatre? I, I don't think it was. Do you, are you sure about yeah. that? Yeah. 
He, he's sadly passed away. So he has, yeah. I yeah. can't lie about it. Don't speak ill of the dead, but I mean, it, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's Maybe he was robbing a bank. I don't know. But it was. It was, <laughs> it was a... Mind you, if he robbed the bank, he didn't. He wouldn't need stocking over his head, would he? Because he, he'd rob the bank, and the police would turn up, and they'd say to the bank manager, "Could you give me a description?" He, he was. It was Alan Rickman. They said, "Get out of it, Alan Rickman, rob your bank." This is a perfect cover, isn't it? Yeah. They'd say, what did say? What did say? It went crime watch, wouldn't it? We're looking for a man who. Um, this is the key phrase. Looks like Alan Rickman. Yeah. Not Alan Rickman. <laughs> it look, but it is, it is Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman's robbed the bank in the full knowledge that Crime Watch will say, we're looking for a man who looks like Alan Rickman. And if someone accused Alan Rickman, he'd say, well, it's not me. It looks like me. <laughs> he should stick to taking over skyscrapers, shouldn't he? He should. He's better than that. Yeah. Mm. I, 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 here's another controversial opinion. I actually think Christian Slater makes it better. Will Scarlet. You've, you've, I, mm. I, 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 the thing is with uh, uh, Kevin Costner, he's, for, he's one of those people that somebody decided that we can't like him anymore. Yeah, he's a Phil Collins in movies, isn't he? Yeah. He's like, the thing of, he was in everything, wasn't he, in the 80s? And, was it like the yeah. 80s and... Well, more, more than 90s, 90s, wasn't he? End, end of the 80s, 90s, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. He's in some great films like JFK, No Way yeah. Out. No Way Out's a great yeah. uh, uh, thriller. Dances no Way Out, no, it's true, actually. No Way Out is a, a fantastic thriller, isn't it? Yeah. Dances with Wolves. Yeah. And then they decided oh, that... Oh, don't like him. Don't like him anymore. Mm. Yeah, it's true, that. And Prince Thieves, as I say, we watched it at the time and thought... It was great, it was alright, we liked it. I believe Brian Adams. Yeah, that's probably it, isn't it? Right, cheers, Blythe. See you, Doc. The Merrys and Robin convinced the sheriff to recite the song of Baal from the stolen book. The scarab's magic dissipates. The sheriff was left at the gates of Nottingham in his nightshirt, with his precious book tucked under his arm. The curse on Wickham remained. So we followed the trail to the Danes, who were hiding in a cave behind Wooten Falls. At the same time, there was a party of Norman soldiers headed by Prince John. It would appear that the scarab was sought by him to inflict a hex on King Richard. Robin approaches them with the box. and I'm going to hold out the casket hook containing the scarab and say, we hold the scarab, you need to relieve the curse of Wickham. The, uh, as, you, as you do that, he tells his guards to kind of step down, step back. What are, you, what are you offering in the box? The box, yeah. You're not showing him the scarab? No. The scarab's in my pocket. <laughs> so the scarab's in your pocket, right. I've, I've put a, a stone that I've uh, decorated to look like a scarab. Painted just like Yeah. <laughs> in the box. Okay, so he tells his guards to stand out and reaches out very, very cautiously <laughs> towards you with, and, and takes the box from well, you. Well, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna pull it away from him as, he, as he's coming for you and say, "You need to release Wickham of the curse that's been put upon them." What curse? What are you talking about? 
He kind of looks at uh, Otvar, the, the day, and gives him a look and seem to quite understand the curse. As you're talking to him, you hear a rather chilling, familiar voice behind you to say, that, uh, that scarab has no power now, I can sense it. This is a trick. You hear a voice behind you, just turn around to see. Ooh. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, Baron de Belen, back from the dead. <laughs> Kill this guy. <laughs> I'm going to use a couple of a couple of fate points on Nazdia and Little John again because when you yeah. see this guy, he kind of really brings terror uh, to you. Give me a give me a plus three, clever roll. Whoa, I made it. You do it, yeah. So you hold it together, Little John. Plus three, clever. I was not expecting that. Whoa. Oh dear! Right. Okay. okay. Wow! All right. Hold on. I would. Oh, you yeah. might want to re-roll that one. You, the yeah, I'm going to yeah, uh, spend a fate point. Uh, okay. I mean, it's going to be hard to get plus three, but a re-roll is going to do better than a negative three. <laughs> no, still. <laughs> okay. What what's going to happen to you, little John? Again, you're going to get a mild consequence of being shaken, and that will mean that. I can invoke that now. The first, the first attack you make, your opponent will get a plus two defending against you, okay, and a plus two against you. And after that, I just use a fate point, and it, it uses that box as well, so you can't put an injury in there. Prince John throws this box to the ground, uh, and again tells his guards to kind of launch themselves towards you. And Odvar does the same, and um, the Baron as well, going to attack. I'm definitely going to attack the Baron. He is the biggest threat as far as I'm concerned. With drawing my scimitars and attack. Oh, I rolled poorly. Uh, only a one. And he, he gets, uh, he has this, this stunt he can use in combat called Power of Lucifer, which gives him a plus two. So he's going to quick. So he gets plus four on this. Sure. Oh, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> That's black magic. Plus four. Oh, he only gets, he only gets a one. So it's tired. Cool. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna burn a fate to uh, my final fate to uh, increase mine by two as an expert. Yeah, scimitar. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, so that goes up to two. So you do two stress to him. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. Slightly alarmed by that. Yes. Okay. So the two uh, guards are going to attack. You'll need to defend against the first one. This is coming at Robin. Okay. Okay. It's a minus. That's a minus one. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use uh, Clever. I'm going to anticipate his, uh, where he's going to go. Yeah. That's, uh, that's three above, so that will give you next round when you're defending, you get a plus two just yeah. for the next round. So I've, I've kind of dodged underneath him and uh, pushed yeah. him back out of the way. Next one's coming at you, Will. These are not your average Normans as well, so you won't get your plus two when you're attacking these guys because they're kind of quite elite. Okay, so you're all right. And now it's the Baron's turn. He's got a stunt that he can do once per conflict. He kind of waves his hands and Robin, you you start to feel kind of real torment and start to see visions of serpents swirling around the room. Okay. And uh, you take a mild consequence for that. So that mild consequence box needs to be lost that box. Next round, when you're attacked, they'll get a plus two against you just for the next round. So you, you kind of, kind of raises his hands, looks you in the eye, and you see these kind of serpents swirling around the cavern. 
I'm going to overact. I'm going to overact now and look like dizzy. <laughs> of course, yeah. Sway my head from side to side. All the hair everywhere. Yeah. Like a Timothy advert. Well, I'm going to attack the Baron for the Belen. I'm going to quick one-two with the quarter staff. He's going to defend and he gets... He's going to defend quickly. He's going to try and yeah, dodge out of the way. But he, he does because he gets plus... It's quicks plus two and then he gets another another plus two because you're sort of shaken and a bit spooked. Okay. okay. So you could beat All him right. if you spent a, a face point and went for a, one of your aspects. You could beat him there. Yeah. It's the last one, then, but it is a climax of it, isn't it? Mm. It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do my last one. You're right. He's a, it's a necromancer. Don't save him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah don't, spare the, don't spare the Baron de Belen. Back from the dead, isn't he? Add two to that one that'll pass one I'll let him yeah. know. All right, yeah, so you do a point of stress. He's still standing, but he's he's looking a little bit shaken now. He's taken a bit of an injury. Yeah, I'm going to take one of the Norman guards. And, uh, yeah, go for it. Okay. Two. Now they get a plus three defended. So he's trying to knock your sword aside. Okay. okay. Robin. So I'm going to use a fate point to uh, resist what's happening. I'm going to call upon Hearn. And pull out yeah, okay. a silver yeah. a silver arrow, uh, <laughs> yeah, arrow okay. and I'm going to use my legendary accuracy and hit uh, Baron de Lem in the heart with my uh, <laughs> with the arrow of Hearn. Okay, do it. Go for it. Okay. So you you attack normally, and then because you spend the fair point, you can either add two or 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 re-roll depending on you do. Okay. okay. So it's a flashy move, isn't it? Oh, I would say so, yes. Yeah, so I'm hitting his heart. Yeah. For what? Plus right. two. He gets uh, he gets plus two. Oh. oh wow. <laughs> but you don't need to use the you don't need to use the fake point then. Oh right, okay. You've done, you've done enough. And that you, you yeah, that's enough to take him down. You stick the arrow in his heart and he kinda of clutches it. Christopher Lee style and uh, <laughs> falls back uh, you know as I said blood coming from his mouth you never saw any blood did you no one sure would say there should be blood but you know children all around the nation are wanting some blood from his mouth but, yeah. <laughs> he clutches the arrow and kind of falls to the ground and uh, if you remember in, in towards the end of season two he, he came back from the dead so I think he's uh, all that's left of him on the floor is just his robes and it disappears into dust, vampire style. find yourself scratching your head trying to find the missing ingredient of fate, stop looking. It probably isn't there in the first place. It's much more straightforward than it may initially appear. I hope that this is an inspiration for you to go and discover it for yourself. Thanks to Eddie, Sam Vale, Will Johnson and Jim Mosley for taking part in the actual play and allowing us to use it here. I've been very impressed with the correspondence we received about Robin of Sherwood 
I'll provide some examples on the grognardfiles.com because they're not going to fit here. At the time of recording, I'm preparing to launch the third grogzine. It will be packed up and sent out as a gift to patrons very soon. It will coincide with the April 2019 being a fanzine festival on the blog thegrognardfiles.com and on our YouTube channel. We also have virtual grog meet taking place online on the 12th and 13th of April. There have been loads of activity for the grog squad as a thank you for their tips in the virtual tip jar. The generous support that we receive is greatly appreciated as it allows us to invest in developing the podcast. We've reached a new stretch goal too, which means that we'll be doing an extra bonus episode in the summer. Once again, there have been some comings and goings in January and February and we're very pleased to welcome the following new patrons. At the $1 level, Steve Race, Neil Hopkins, Philippe Delmotte and Paulo. Thank you. At the $3.5 level, thanks to Russ Smith and David Jackowison. At the $5 level, I like to roll on a table. Fate doesn't really have tables, so I've created my own Robin of Sherwood table. First up is Per Broden, who's increased his uh, pledge level. He's been encouraging me to cover Merp every Monday on Twitter. Make sure you check that out. I'm going to give him oh, a split arrow. Spliced by Robin himself. Next up is Neil Betterton. And he gets a falchion. A new up and coming weapon in the 13th century. According to Graham Staplehurst. And next up is David Ager. And he gets Marion's Wimple. Well, The less said about that the better. Next is Will Johnson. I'm not rolling for this one because he played in his ear, so he's going to get to keep his scimitars. Last uh, at $5 level, uh, but not least, is Gavin Peebles, a returning grog squatter who's been with us for a long time. And one of the many that was inspired to get playing again. We've got Gav to thank for this episode as he asked for a return of Eddie and reminded us to keep it nostalgic. He gets, oh, a feather from Robin's hat. Okay, and at the $10 level, so to get a certificate to keep this virtual gift forever, is Dave Griffiths. And he gets the Horns of Hearn. Thank you very much to you all. Thanks for listening and allowing us to indulge a bit over this episode. We'll be back next time with another entry into the Grognard Files. Until then, adios amigos.